Hey everyone, welcome back to the Enduring Churches podcast. This is Trent and Alan, and we are getting ready to start a series, Alan. We're going to talk about some things for this next month. Uh, and it's it's kind of a weird series, but this is, it started out me thinking about this in October when we were thinking about Halloween and Frankenstein, but now it's November, and so I'm thinking of do you want to build a snowman? And so, <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, we're talking about building building a pastor. If you could build a pastor, however you wanted to, what would be important? Or I we're talking about six must haves that you'd have to have in a pastor today. So that's kind of where we're going, Alan. Yeah, except we ended up with eight. So that's oh, okay. Wow. We're <laughs> yeah, I love this idea, Trent, that you came up with, uh, the idea. And, you know, for some people, it's always going to be their Frankenstein pastor. Uh, you know, <laughs> my church has had to put up with me, and I'm sure I was much more of a monster some of the times than anything else. But this is a great topic for us to talk about. You know, I was able, Trent, when I was thinking about this note and what you had put together, that I went and I started looking at characteristics and I found lists of five and six or seven or 12, you know, 10. Everyone has a list of what it, what it means to be a good pastor. This is our list. These are some of the things that we want to talk about. There are a couple of things that go in there. They should be a Christian. I mean, that's just yeah. That should be there. And they should have a calling. Those are things that we're not necessarily talking about. But th- these other characteristics, some of the things that really make a pastor, and we've talked about it a little bit before, but there's a difference between a pastor and a preacher. Um, and this is what we're going for. We want to understand the role of pastoral ministry in its totality. Right. And, you know, as we talk about these today, um, the the goal, I think, is to encourage you um, to, if you're a leader listening to this, to you know think about your own life. Um, what are some areas that maybe you need to work on? Uh, because Alan and I, we're continuing to work on these things as well. But we want to encourage you. This is not to make you feel bad or knock you down or say, hey, you're not a pastor. But it's really is to encourage you to look at your life and say, okay, these are some strengths. So these are some weaknesses. Let's work on these. Yeah, we always have those things that we need to work on. So we've got those eight things here up from six in our original plan. So anyway, let's, <laughs> let's talk about them. Um, you know, our first characteristic has to do with a sincere personal faith. And what I mean by that is not just so much that they're, that you, of course, you're a Christian, but that there's a sincerity to your faith. I have met some pastors that when they talk about faith, it just doesn't seem sincere. It seems contrived. And so that sincerity that people can relate to is really important. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like kids. They can see through you and they can tell when you're fake or not. And um, I think that's probably true of anybody in your church, that they can tell when you're putting on a show or when it's really your beliefs, your heart. And so as you start out, as we think about this, one of the first things we think are important that a pastor or a leader would have is a sincere personal faith, that it's it's there, it's personal too. I think that's a big part of that too. You know, we talk about having a personal relationship with Jesus and that is, it's important. It's got to be your 
It can't be somebody, it can't be your grandparents' faith. It's got to be yours. Right, right. And, you know, when you think also about personal, it means that you're working on that yourself, that, Mm -hmm. you know, just because you're in the role doesn't mean that you're automatically going to grow in your faith. It takes it takes effort and involvement and that commitment to allow all those things to happen. So those things are really important. Let's talk now a little bit more about the next one, because I think they kind of go hand in hand, that you're a loving and caring person. You've got to have a sincerity and you've got to love and care for others. Alan, I'm going to, I'm just going to fess up that I struggle with this sometimes because I don't always have a lot of empathy for others. And to me, and when you say that a loving, caring person, I don't know. That's what comes to mind. And I struggle with having empathy for people. Um, and so tell me what, what, how you deal with this and what your thoughts are. Well, I think, you know, the idea that they become your people, that you truly do care about them and that you want to have a relationship with people. If the idea of your pastoral ministry is that you go lock yourself in an office for 40 hours a week so you can deliver a really good message and make sure that the church operates smoothly, but you don't get to know your people, you're going to fail as a pastor. You might be a great preacher. You might be an excellent writer. You might be a good organizational person, but you're not pastoring your people. And for us, as we think about pastoral ministry, it always involves relationship. And so we have to love and care for our people. And if you're always mad at them, if you're always distrusting of them, you're going to struggle to lead them and, and care for them. But our job is to care for people. When Jesus was praying in the garden, he was like, I call these people friends. Um, and, and that's really the depth of where we should be trying to go as pastoral leaders in our churches is to build as many friendships in there as we can, contrary to what you and I were taught in seminary. Right. Yeah. Because uh, a lot of times we were told or or and even, you know, sometimes ministers have gone through a time of hurt in a church and it's easy for us to want to keep people at arm's length instead of bringing them in close. And, you know, like I said, I struggle sometimes with empathy when people are hurting, but um, I do care, you know, and I want to bring people in close. I, I want them to know that I We'll be there with them. And you mentioned relationship, Alan. And I think that's so important because, and that's only, you can only have relationship with, with T-I-M-E. That's the only way that you can have a relationship is spending time with your people. And so you've got to be able to do that. Yeah, that's so true. You do need a lot of time to do that. A third characteristic, Trent, is a hard worker. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, we all joke um, that, you know, pastors only work, work one day a week. And most pastors I know are hardworking, working, you know, 50, 60 hours a week. But there are those who don't give much effort to their job. And we need to be careful to make sure that we are always working hard at what we do. Well, and so let's put this in. Maybe you're listening to this and you're not a, a pastor or leader. Or maybe you think more in the business mindset. I know Alan and I both worked in business uh, as well as pastoring. And so the term that we would use is somebody who's a self-starter. Somebody who can realize a need and gets to work. They don't have to have somebody 
looking over their shoulder and pushing them to always make sure they're working. And so I think that's a big, huge part because you're lots of times a pastor, nobody is around, nobody's watching, and it would be easy to be lazy. But we need to be those who are self-starters who get after it. Yeah, and that's a matter of integrity, too, when we really think about it, that that's something that we should be mindful of, that we have this responsibility to work hard among our people. You know, Paul's example, you know, I want a burden to you. I worked hard, and we should be hard working and seeking to accomplish all that we can for the kingdom. And we should work hard, too, at rest. You know, when it's time to rest, we should work hard to make sure that we are all in on that as well. But we need to be hardworking. We need to roll up our sleeves and know that we are doing a job and we need to make sure that the, the job gets done. Uh, those, so those are the first three, a sincere personal faith, a loving, caring person, a hard worker. Now there's one that I think a lot of people would say, well, this one just really makes sense for a pastor. You need to be a good communicator. Yeah, and so when we say that, Alan, I think, you know, the Holy Spirit accomplishes a lot in us because I've, I've known some pastors that um, had some, you know, maybe some physical ailments or deformities or whatever. And, and God used them in mighty ways, despite all that. Um, and God communicated through them, but there is some basic principles of being able to communicate, being able to lay out a message so that it makes sense and that um, people can follow where you're going, I think are huge parts. Yeah, and I think what the first thing we think about when we think about communication is preaching. Mm-hmm. You know, you certainly would need to become an effective and good communicator from the pulpit, a good expositor of the word. All of those things are important. But I think, too, it's do you communicate enough? Do people know what's going on in the life of the church? Are you communicating in, in those opportunities are you taking advantage to learn how to communicate better when there's conflict? That's my my weak area. I don't communicate as well um, in one-on-one conflict situations. So I have to work on that a little bit. You know, so how do we work on our communication skills? And developing those really takes a lifetime. We never really get to a place where we should be completely satisfied with our communication we should always strive to get better. That's something you and I talk about, even ho- hosting a podcast. There, We'll go through this stretch where we recognize we're oversaying words or phrases and recognize we need to eliminate those from our language. And you see us working on that because we'll see it come out of our mouths and we're like, oh, I said that again. Mm-hmm. But that's because it's important for us to work on our communication ability. Yeah, we're supposed to do our very best for the Lord. Um, you mentioned, Alan, I, and I think this is so important about sharing about your church and what's going on. I led when I was pastoring and, and doing ministry, uh, college ministry, we did lots of big projects, some of them building projects, some others. And my goal always was to give more information than anyone in the church ever thought they would need. Um, and so, you know, instead of feeling like, hey, they're hiding stuff from us. I wanted them to say, hey, the pastor is telling us everything that he knows so that we could all go on the same direction and and be moving forward. Yeah. And in my case, you know, it never takes long to say everything I know. So, you know, it it doesn't take long. (laughs) 
<laughs> but we do. Over communication is usually not the problem. It's under communication typically mm-hmm. is a is a problem. And I see that not just in the church world, but in, in other forums as well, where I see leaders struggle to communicate enough. Um, it's certainly something that I think is true in the educational world. I think you see that a lot, but um, the political world, there's a communication problem. So it's important for us to develop those skills and learn how to be good communicators. And that goes into the next one, which is being a willing learner. And the idea of a willing learner is something that I think we're going to see this one repeated in coming weeks, Trent, because I know that's an ingredient that was always really important to me when I was looking for someone else. But I can't ask other people to be a continual learner if I'm not a continual learner. So I need to be willing to learn. Yeah. Now, Alan, he is a willing learner. I mean, the man has multiple degrees and is working on another one now. But I, I'm I'm more of an unwilling learner. God has to hit me upside the head with a two before sometimes. Um, but <laughs> um, yeah, being having a desire to to increase your knowledge, um, to be able to read so that you can share, you know, and having. Uh, lots of illustrations and learning, um, like we we're talking about communication, skills of communication, all those areas, leadership are so important for us to be able to continue to hone those skills so that we can become better and lead better. Yeah, I think the hardest part about being a, a willing learner is to recognize that sometimes when you're in the middle of conflict or when sometimes someone has said something that is hurtful or have been critical of you in some way to find the grain of truth in that as well. And to learn from that. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that I didn't do well for a long time. And I still struggle with because no, none of us likes to be criticized. I can mm-hmm. assure you of that, but to find those areas where that really is a weak spot or that's a blind spot that I have. And, I'm willing to acknowledge it and learn from it. And how am I going to manage that going forward? You know, I think we have those areas that are our pet areas that we always want to learn about. Trent and I love to, to learn and read about leadership stuff. We love marketing things because we both have a marketing background. And so, you know, those ideas are easy for us to talk about, but there are other things that maybe we're not as willing to, to learn about. So we have to, you know, be very intentional in those areas. But that's that willingness to open ourselves up and say, maybe I'm not so good in this area as I once thought I was. I mean, do you remember the time, Trent, we, you were like Mr. Technology. <laughs> you knew everything about technology. How hard is it to keep up with something like that? Oh, my goodness. I, I used to think that I was pretty on top of things. But man, it goes so fast. And I, I still love that. And I still like to read about that and research things. But man, I feel so far behind because the world is changing so fast. I mean, if you wanted to keep up with politics right now uh, around the world, my goodness, that would be it would be almost impossible. Same thing with technology, electronics, all those kinds of things. So there are some areas that you just you may have a desire to learn some. I wanted to be kind of a renaissance man to be able to talk about anything, anything with anybody um, and know at least something. But, man, it's tough to keep up with all that. 
Yeah, it certainly is. And that's just one example. And those examples continue. So be a willing learner, learn about yourself, learn about others, learn more information, all those kinds of things. Um, let's talk about this sixth one that you need to be a capable leader. We probably could have moved this one way up the list. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think these are any any particular order, but you don't have to be the world's greatest leader, but you have to be a capable leader. Yeah, you have to have some skills, right? But I, I want to, Alan, I, I, I'm going to mess with you a little bit here. Uh, I want to juxtapose the seventh one and the sixth one together because the humble disposition and you've got to have that and a capable leader. How do you put those together? How do those fit together? Yeah, and I think they do go hand in hand because a capable leader um, has to have followers, right? Right. And I think you've, what we are seeing today, especially in our world, is that there is a growing discontent toward leaders that are arrogant or set themselves apart from everyone else mm -hmm. and, you know, are not humble enough to recognize um, the skills and abilities of other people. You know, just watch yourself sometime if you're watching a football game, for instance. You know, and you interview a quarterback and if that quarterback says, well, yeah, you know, I was on my game today. I was throwing I was throwing, you know, darts in there to people. And, man, I was just really, really good today. <laughs> You're probably going to find a quarterback that's kind of out of touch. Right. You right. say he really probably doesn't lead his team. But isn't there something that when you see someone who goes in and says, you know, our coaches put together a great game plan. My offensive line, you got can't, can't say enough about these guys. They block in for me. They, they play in, play out. They're there. They're, they're taking care of me. They're protecting me. My guys are running some great routes today. You know, there's a difference, isn't there? And you notice that in the leadership world. And so, you know, to be a capable leader does not mean you lord that over your people, but it means you're, you're one of them and you're leading from that place of, of humility that recognizes the awesome responsibility you have to care for this body of people. You know, as pastors, we are not someone who's in the back pushing people. We're in the front leading the charge. We are the first ones to go into battle, not the last ones to go into battle. And that should be pretty humbling because we're the first one the enemy is going to get to throw the punch at. And so if we remember that, I think that can be a big help for us. Yeah, and Alan, there is, I think there's a fine line there on the humility part on the spectrum because I, recently I was dealing with a pastor who's, who's working so hard to be seen as humble that he's not taking a leadership role. And, and so he's being run over by some people in his church. And so he, he, he's not seen as a capable leader because he's working so hard to be humble and that that right there there's a fine line and you've got to there comes a point when you've got to take a lead and tell people to shut up or you know this is not where we're going yeah i mean the buck stops here is that is that old statement right mm -hmm. there has to come that point in time it says you know we've got a lot of voices in here and there's a lot of voices in your church saying we should do this and we should do that and we should do that at some point in time you have to be the person that says I've heard all the voices and I appreciate all the input. And after 
pray, prayer and after communication and after all of these things, this is the direction we're going to go. Mm-hmm. And you have to be willing to, to be that person. And that's not easy. And that's not being, that's not a lack of humility to make the decision. That's accepting the responsibility of the right. leadership that you have. But if you do that without seeking the guidance, if you do that without seeking input from others, then you're not being a, you're not being a good leader. You're on the opposite side of that. You're you're kind of a despot in in that in that way. So again, be mindful of your actions. And I will tell you, Trent, I think every pastor has probably been accused at some point in time of having some laissez-faire attitude towards something. Mm-hmm. And probably every pastor at some point in time has been accused of being a dictator. Oh, yeah. Especially if, if by somebody who they don't agree with or they don't do what somebody says they ought to do. Yeah, somebody's going to think you're terrible. You're right. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what you do. It's going to happen. You, mm-hmm. you can't escape that. And the humility part is is recognizing that you don't have to bow up against that. You can kind of accept that. Yeah. Well, and you have to keep in mind that you're not going to be able to make everybody in your church happy all the time. It is not going to happen. And if that's your goal, then you are probably in the wrong field of work because you just you you can't do it. And so you you do have to have that that level of humility that's willing to listen and hear from other people. Um, but you also have to like Alan said, you have to take the responsibility to make a decision sometime and say, hey, this is where we're going. And that comes with casting a vision, too, and, and sharing this is where I'm leading our church. All right, Trent, that's seven of them. So we talked about being sincere in our faith, being a loving, caring person, being a hard worker, a good communicator, a willing learner, a capable leader, a humble disposition. There's one more that I don't think we could let go without saying this. And that's having a healthy engagement with other pastors. We can use the word accountability. I know some people don't like that word, but we need to have engagement with others who are doing the work so that we're not setting ourselves up to be alone in this process. Yeah, Alan, we have talked about this a bunch of times in lots of different podcast episodes. It's so important. Um, we've seen, you know, pastors who did not, you know, just like you, we talked about earlier about not having a relationship with your people, sticking yourself away in your office for all the hours of the week uh, is a problem. Well, it's also a problem of not if you do not get in touch with other pastors and have some some relationship there. Um, it, it's not healthy. And so we encourage everybody to have a relationship with others so that you can bounce ideas off of them. You have somebody that will hold you accountable and say, hey, you're kind of going off the rails here, man. Um, And so we need that relationship. Yeah, and let me encourage you too. One other thing that just really came to my mind with that this week. I think it is so good to to have relationships with people who are among other generations in ministry. One of the blind spots we tend to develop are toward people who are outside our generation. And having a relationship with a pastor who is of that generation can be really helpful and give us insight as to what is going on in that generation and how they see the world and 
maybe even some of the things you'll find out are what were the big doctrinal issues when they were younger, because they had different doctrinal issues um, than the generations that are, are facing today. And so for me, I'm a richer person because I'm in this place where I've got several older men who I can seek advice from, and I've got younger pastors that I can talk to, and I love how they see see ministry so much differently. So I think that it's really good to get a broad spectrum of ages as well in that group of people. Yeah, I'm really glad you said that, Alan, because I hadn't thought about it, but it's really true. It's so healthy to have, you know, and we have these churches that are based on one generation, and that I don't believe is healthy at all. But you need those older folks to be able to share wisdom from experience. Um, and sometimes we discount them thinking, oh, they don't know anything. You remember when we were teenagers? That's the way we thought about our parents, right? Um, but there are some older folks that can share with you so much. And then on the younger side of the spectrum, um, you know, maybe if you're a pastor who's in his 30s, 40s, um, take some time to just hear from those younger folks in Gen Z. Uh, they are typically more conservative than you are, um, and you may not realize that. Uh, and so you, just having time to listen to them will, will bless you and you'll learn and see things in a new way. Yeah, that's a great, great input on that. So uh, we could probably talk more and more about that. We love that particular subject because that's why we do what we do. We, we want to see you and your church endure. And if we were going to build a pastor, these are some of the traits that we would be looking for. You might be in a pastor search situation as a lay leader in your church. These are characteristics that I would want to see in someone that we were calling to be a pastor? Do they demonstrate these characteristics? So hopefully this list will find a way to help a lot of us in a, in a lot of different ways. So Trent, uh, you have anything else you want to say? We got to build something else this month. What are we going to build uh, next week? Yeah, I, we're going to be looking at several different ministry possibilities and how to, you know, what would be those must-haves in each situation, like a, a music leader, a worship leader, you know, would what would that person look like or a youth pastor or uh you know there's lots of different ministry options that we want to give you our take on must-haves in each of those situations yeah that's going to be fun so i hope you'll stay with us all through the month of november as we uh, uh build to something along, <laughs> along the way so anyway we're so glad that you join us and that you're part of the enduring churches family I keep doing what you're doing, pastors and, and churches. We love you, and we're here for you. And if we can be there for you in any way, please reach out to us. Otherwise, we'll catch you next week on the Enduring Churches podcast.